Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. So we usually don't get to a lot of college football around here on Monday just because the NFL is such a behemoth on Sundays right after that. But, Dad, this rivalry weekend uh, for college football, the last weekend of the regular season, felt like it had enough that we got to get into between all the coaching moves that are starting to happen right now and the games that we had been looking forward to for weeks and headlined by Ohio State-Michigan that, uh, by all accounts, it wasn't the – it wasn't the cleanest executed game, but man, it was close and had stakes right down to the very end, delivered in a way that that rivalry usually does. And Michigan found a way to pull it out this weekend, Dad. They are now firmly in the driver's seat. I think you can put them in pen for the college football playoffs. The yeah. 20-point favorites against Iowa in the Big Ten championships there after Iowa peak Iowa in the uh, final game of their season against Nebraska. But, uh, Dad, for this Michigan team, this was one of the two games that we had had circled in November that might actually test them. They get past the other one in Penn State, and now they go out here and for the third straight year beat their rival in Ohio State, beat them in this case without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. Sharon Moore, their offensive coordinator and offensive line coach, was at the helm again for the third straight game while Harbaugh was suspended. What did you take away from this win for the Wolverines? Well, I mean, they, they won how we expect them to win, right? Just just kind of pound the rock. They ended up running the ball, I think, 39 times. Uh, not for the greatest average, four yards to carry, but you're controlling the ball for basically – what, 100 and 160 yards in that area there. Uh, McCarthy only threw the ball 20 times, but completed 16 of them. So no tur- no turnovers there. They didn't intercept the ball. They didn't lose any fumbles. They played a clean game. And in a game like this, that's what's going to be the deciding factor. And for you know Kyle McCord, he had a couple of interceptions in this one. And in these games, that, that's kind of what you look at as, as kind of game changers. But Michigan did it the way we thought. I know McCarthy last year had to throw the ball to win. This year, they just continue to do what they're doing. Blake Corum leads the nation, I think, now with 22 rushing touchdowns. Um, they have a phenomenal line, even though they lost their right guard. What a horrible injury oh. to Zinner. Uh, just such a such a shame uh, for the leader of, of that old line. Broke his leg, his tibia and fibula. Um, so that that's you know hope yeah. you know hope for a quick recovery or as quick as you can in that one. But they did it their way. I mean, and you wondered. Ohio State's chance was going to be Marvin Harrison Jr., right? I mean, that was going to be it. He ended up with 116 yards receiving, and you kept waiting for that big play out of him, especially when they're down trying to come back, as you're just waiting for the ball to go his way. It's an interesting game to look at from that perspective because – you mentioned how each team was going to win this one. And you're right, Marvin Harrison Jr., we looked at and said, hey, this is the difference in the game. Roman Wilson's great. These other guys, the tight end for Michigan, all really good players. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player on that field, probably on either side of the ball. And if he could go out there and do that, it wasn't. Actually, Dad, I thought for the most part, Ohio State through the air looked like we expected with some of the big plays here. Kyle McCord is not a great quarterback, especially not by Ohio State standards. No. But he had a few of those throws down the field that made you sort of go, okay, this is this is why. This is why right. he was an Ohio State football recruit because he made a bunch of those. The difference in this game, J.J. McCarthy had a few of those FU throws too in there, but he made more of the layups. He made more of the easy throws. There yes. were way too many easy balls near the line of scrimmage that ended up in the dirt for Kyle McCord. 
McCord, the offense relative to what we expected from their run game was able to open up some holes against a really good Michigan defense. And they had this close the entire time. It was a turnover within the body of the game because the final turnover came on that last drive for uh, right. Kyle McCord in this Ohio State offense. But really, the turnover was the difference in the whole game. And then, Dad, I want to give credit to Sharon Moore. I said it after the game, and I understand the sign-stealing scandal might cloud some of the opportunities ahead. And people inside Michigan think, hey, if Harbaugh jumps, Sharon Moore looks like he could be the heir apparent. That guy's a head coach. And the way that he approached the two biggest challenges of Michigan's season, the adjustments he made against Penn State in that game, the fourth down aggressiveness in this game, the way that he helped his tackles out against these great Ohio State pass rushers on the edges, all of it, the in-game decision-making that Jim Harbaugh couldn't help him out with. Jim Harbaugh was around during the week, but when it came to how he managed the football game, did Sharon Moore, going back to early in the season, remember, Jim Harbaugh suspended for those first few games, gave coaching opportunities, the head coaching opportunities, to some of his assistants, including Sharon Moore. You're seeing the value in that for a guy who was always going to be a head coaching candidate. The 37-year-old Moore had been a great job as their offensive line coach, back-to-back Joe Moore winning offensive line, offensive coordinator full-time this season, was the co-coordinator before that. He demonstrated with real reps in a game where he could not be helped by his boss why I think he's going to do a great job as somebody's head coach in the very near, in the not-so-distant future. Whether that is Michigan or whether that's somebody else, I thought he stepped up big time. And against Ryan Day, who, despite what Ohio yeah. State fans say, I think is a pretty good coach, went out here and really outdueled him at certain points. Ryan Day has six losses in his tenure, and all to ranked teams. I mean, it's the only losses he has. Unfortunately, three of them have now come to Michigan. And we were saying the same thing about Harbaugh a few years ago when he lost a couple in a row, but was still winning outside of that. It's like, how long do the alumni take that? And so do you say the same thing at Ohio State? But this guy has been incredibly successful, incredibly successful. But if you're not winning that game, it usually means you're not in the Big Ten championship, which usually means you're not in the playoffs. Now, last year they were. They did get in the playoffs. And we know what, what a change, Mike. Do you realize that Michigan-Ohio State, which has played once a year for God knows how long, starting next year, could literally play three times in a season? Yeah. Because the divisions are gone, so they could play in the regular season, they could play for the Big Ten Championship now, and then they could meet in the playoffs as well. So they, that's where we've gone to. What was on the line for that game yesterday to the fact that they may play, they might play three times which certainly for those detractors of a 12-game playoff, that's why they don't like this system is you lose kind of games like this, you know, and what the effect is uh, on it. And, and there's part of me that agrees of how it's going to change. I still like the 12-team playoff, but that's where this could go, that these teams could face each other three times. But Michigan, I think, was the better team. Michigan is going to have a great shot to win the title yeah. by playing their game. And that's lining up, which, uh, you know, you're a voter, I'm not. Uh, they could be the Joe Moore Award winners again. That offensive line, they're just a bludgeoning old line. Blake Corum runs hard behind them. He's not a big guy, but he just tucks in behind those guys. And McCarthy is a very accurate thrower and doesn't turn the ball over. It's a great recipe to win. Yeah, I think like if you're looking at the differences in a close game, you're right, like, McCarthy and McCord I don't think are that far apart in terms of overall talent like J.J. McCarthy has been a good college quarterback he's been the best quarterback in the Harbaugh era of Michigan by far I don't yes. think he's like a NFL starter by any no. means I don't I, think I any, agree like, won't be anywhere near the first round anything like that but right very good college quarterback and is mobile like I think that's the biggest difference is Kyle McCord's got some decent throws in the bag but can't move around and buy you time in the way that if you're not going to be a future first round future top overall pick like Drake May or Caleb Williams being mobile is your next best bet and other than that like for Ryan Day and I, I think part of this is always going to go back to dad the conversation that erupted after the Notre Dame game the Lou where's Lou Holtz and the toughness conversation around his team I, I won't talk about toughness because I think that's a mentality that I can't yeah. speak to yeah. but 
Michigan controlled the lines of scrimmage in the moments that right. mattered most. Ohio State's defensive front seven still showed up in the ways that you would expect. I felt bad. Tommy Eichenberg, who was coming back from injury in that yeah. game, was basically playing on one arm out there, and it showed in coverage. It showed on a couple of missed tackles. You could tell that guy was just way less than 100%, but wanted to put it on the line for his team in the biggest game of the season. And so you had some of those issues, but Michigan, once again, this rivalry when it turned was Michigan embracing full Big Ten. They went full Big Ten in their identity and said, we're going to do blunt force trauma better than anybody while Ohio State had been a team who had transcended athletically, recruited at a level that was different than everyone else in this conference. And now, Dad, the Ryan Day question, as we kind of see some of what's gone on in the coaching carousel is there were people that started talking about, whispering about his name potentially for the Texas A&M job. Ohio State fans seem to want to be rid of him. And you have the perfect example on the other side of the field about why patience is probably the virtue that you need to ascribe to here. Yep. I get losing this game three times in a row sucks, but that was the book on on, uh, on uh, Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh for the longest time. Yep. And so Ohio State's a bit of a different job because the program is so talent-rich, and it's one of the few programs that exists on that plane where you feel like, hey, you can put a lot of people in that coaching chair, and I think they'd be pretty successful. But I think Ryan Day does so much well for you and still is a great play caller, still put them in plenty of positions to win. You just didn't have a future first-round quarterback like you usually do at Ohio State to go with the cavalcade of great wide receivers that were in that room. And I would say, Dad, more often than not, I'm counting on Ohio State to the way they recruit, especially in the quarterback room, get a guy back in there pretty soon who's probably going to be first-round caliber and erase some of the issues that popped up this season because Kyle McCord was your guy. Plus, plus, like I said, it all changes, right? Next year, they would be next year if they, this happened, they would be playing again next week for the Big Ten Championship. So you you get you get another shot at them. So I I agree. I mean, we just went through this with Harbaugh. Dan, who are you getting? Who are you getting that's going to be better unless you're, you're coaxing, you know, Urban Myers coming back, which I'm sure a lot of Ohio State people would, would eyebrows would raise on that one and say, yeah, give us Urban back. But Ryan Day, he was beating, he beat Michigan a couple times in a row over Harbaugh. So I, it's always to me, who are you going to get that's going to make it better? And they showed patience with Harbaugh and look at payoff. And I, I think they should do the same thing with Day. What I will say is we have five uh, Power Five Conference Championship games. There is no bigger lock than Michigan as a 22-point yeah. favorite over Iowa. That they, there are four undefeated teams left at the top, the top four ranked teams, and it'll make it easy. Though there will be question if all four win their conference championships, they should all be in. And I know yeah. we'll get to the conversation about Florida State. Would they have a one-loss team jump them because they don't have their quarterback? But for Michigan, is there a better lock right now than betting Michigan wins the Big Ten championship and will be, you know, wherever they're going to be seated in the Final Four? The biggest lock is betting whatever the under is on that game because if the Iowa Hawkeyes are playing in that game, that under is cashing, baby. That has been lucrative Man. for everybody involved. But that is kind of the whole weekend. And you're right, we're, we're going to have the conversation at some point because I've already seen the rumblings. I saw Chris Felica, Alex Kirshner, both great guys that cover college football that I respect a lot, talking about what the committee's got on its hands now because of this Florida State situation where it's a rivalry game, but it was a sub-500 Florida team that played Florida State right down to the wire. And Tade Rodemaker looked fine in that game. I didn't get to watch as much of that as I wanted to, and so I want to kind of reserve a more definitive opinion on this until I have the time to look back. But, Dad, I, I think two things can be true, right? In the four-team playoff era, as we try and combine best versus most deserving, Florida State, if they finish their season winning a rivalry game and winning against a ranked Louisville team, that's going to fall because they lost to Kentucky in their final game of the season. Right. And we've been wondering all along, all right, how real is this Louisville team? If they go out and win those two games, they probably should be in the college football playoff, and it will be an objectively worse product than if 12-1 and Texas wins the Big 12 and would be in there and jump them. And for a committee who's supposed to be the human committee, who's supposed to be able to see past just what a BCS computer would have shot out, even though year after year, when you look at the Final Four in college football during the playoff era, you've basically seen the same teams that the BCS computers yep. would have spit out. This would finally present a real challenge to that group of, 
all right, we're supposed to account for who's not out there on the field. We've got the Ohio State example, but Dad, we talked about it before the show. Cardale Jones and that Ohio State team blitzed Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game before they jumped TCU on that final weekend. And I do think, while I, I still think ultimately the right move would be to reward Florida State for their whole body of work for persevering through that and give them a shot at this, part of me would appreciate the committee doing the hard thing that I know would tick a lot of people off in the name of actually giving us the four best teams if Florida State doesn't show up and doesn't perform in a big way in this game against Louisville. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Uh, I get it. Um, but I'm, I'm still putting them in. I'm going to say, okay, you lost your quarterback and you still won your last two games. A rivalry game. Listen, we could talk about how bad Florida was. Auburn was 6-5 and five and had Alabama yeah, beat. No, it's okay. Great had point. them beat great point. to a 0.1% chance of Alabama winning and Alabama pulled it off. So, you know, rivalry week is, is what it is, man. You see, you see some upsets. And, and we did see that. Uh, so I, there is no chance – even in a close game where I'm not giving F- FSU, and you're right, if you sit there and look at the part of it of the eye test, are they one of the best four to sit there and say no, not without, without their quarterback, I still say, you know what, you won your last two games, one was a rivalry game, one was the ACC championship game, you're going in, you're undefeated. I, I'm not putting a one-loss team over an undefeated Florida State team, as much as that will be the only discussion, because you have four undefeateds. If they all remain undefeated, to me, that's your final four. And FSU would be number four in that, I'm sure. But that would be the only discussion should they not be there because their quarterback is gone. But my answer to that is their quarterback was gone the last two games and they found a way to win. So put them in. They, they deserve the chance to be in. And then we kind of cross, cross our fingers a little bit. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll wait and see. We'll have more time to spin through some of the wheels of that tomorrow. Did want to mention, Dad, uh, as we're starting to get silly season going here, the uh, coaching carousel in college football is beginning to spin right now. And the biggest domino hanging in the balance because of some of the names that were involved in the process is Texas A&M. And we saw over the weekend the will they, won't they with Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops after their big win over Louisville in that rivalry game. It sounded like it was a done deal. And then all of a sudden in the wee hours of the morning, that goes away. You see Mark Stoops put out the statement about the conversations he had with his team and staff about staying in Kentucky, which, by the way, you would have to pry me out of that job with a crowbar incredible with what he has paid the resources you have in that conference and the expectations being reasonable in the sec because you're a basketball school i get you had your beef with cal over some of that stuff but man right it's a pretty good gig all things considered given what's on the other side of this at texas a&m clearly if this process is any indication but uh dad it sounds like the aggies are going to bring mike elko home the uh, former defensive coordinator back in 2019 for texas a&m uh sources told espn there's a deal in place or an agreement in place to bring Duke's head coach back to College Station to try and revitalize this. I said at the beginning of the process, he probably would have been the guy I went and pulled the trigger on. I know Jeff Trailer at UTSA came up there too, but Elko's a guy who offensively and defensively along the lines of scrimmage did wonders at Duke and was able to make that program a nine-win team in year one and competitive before quarterback injury decimated them this year. It sucks because it's the unfunniest hire in a chaotic situation, but a really good one, I think. Yeah, it is. So I feel I'm happy for him. He was at A&M as an assistant coach, goes his first year at Duke last year as the ACC coach of the year. And this year they were having a season until, you know, that loss to Notre Dame and when Riley Leonard, their quarterback, hurt his ankle and, you know, has been in and out of the lineup because he was he was such a big part of that offense. So I'm, I'm a fan of Elko, a big fan of Mike Elko. I'm happy for him, though, bummed for Duke. I mean, they had him there for a couple of years. Looked like that program sure. was going in the right direction for sure. And that's the one thing about it. There's, there's always a losing side of this. And for the Duke players who got to see him for like two years and now he's gone. But we know that's what happens now. To expect the coach to be there, I don't think any coach can with a straight face anymore in a in a living room recruiting a kid saying I will be with your son for his entire career I, I don't think any head coach can realistically say that anymore with a straight face because there's so much changes that go on so I feel bad for Duke for the direction it was going and already your coach is pulled out of there but I'm happy for Elko who is a, a rising star there and deservedly so 
And, and your point about the players is well served. It's why, as people always weigh the pros and cons or try and malign the portal, I'm thankful for it in situations like this. It's worth noting, too, we have the two open periods where players can jump into the portal if your coach leaves that day starts today so as of today right. all of the duke players have the ability to enter their name in the portal and start to look around for their future you wonder if there's any of them that might make their way with mike elko the college station because dad you can't blame him either and as we look around college no. football right now jonathan smith the former oregon state coach making right. the move to michigan state over the weekend and filling that vacancy you can understand in duke's case because of the money and in jonathan smith's case because of the edge of oblivion that oregon state and washington yes. state kind of sit on right now why you would jump ship there yeah quite honestly if the pac-12 was still together i don't know who would jump ship from washington state to michigan state not i don't know if that's arguably a better oregon job state. but give I, i'm so oregon state but given given the, the fact of what's going on with those two schools oregon state and washington state you you get why he made the move so next thing is going to be the amount of big time players that are going to skip their bowl game uh, as they get ready for the NFL. That'll be one of the next discussions we start having. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust and it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to Seed.com slash Gojo and use code 25GOJO to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25GOJO. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. In this age of social media, sometimes things can be overwhelming. Like sometimes you talk about having caviar and stone crabs for Thanksgiving, and then you can never live that down because things live on the internet forever. The latest victim of social media Justin Jefferson. Okay, he's really feeling the heat right now. He's missed the last six games after that hamstring strain on October 8th against the Chiefs. He's not expected to play against the Bears tonight. Fans have been getting increasingly impatient waiting for him to return. They've been taking to social media to voice their opinions. In response, Jefferson posted on Twitter that his health is more important than fantasy football. So he's tired of the negative reaction to the fact that he's been out, and he did address it on Friday. If I, if I miss this one, it's going to be the seventh game. So uh, it's it's definitely frustrating. It's, it's tough to, you know, be patient and uh, trying to make sure an a injury heals properly. Uh, it's definitely not, you know, something that I want to do, but uh, it just comes with the game. Uh, it comes with trying to be healthy, trying to be 100%, uh, and just, you know, carrying the, the safe route. So he has since deactivated uh, his social media accounts. So that brings us into what to expect for this matchup tonight. Obviously, do not expect Justin Jefferson. Yeah, and you know what? Smart move by him. It's a cesspool on there. Like, I... I the more and more we go along and like Twitter's demise and the way that it's been just bulldozed under Elon Musk, it's invited even more venom into people's lives. But dad, this has always been a tough place for athletes. And I'm empathetic to the modern athlete. Like you can, 
I'm always fascinated talking to you and players from your era about these things. I'm kind of, I always said the daywalker of social media and athletics because we got that when I was in college. We didn't have a lot of that same access to people when I was going through early on in the time that I was playing at a level that you would get this kind of criticism. But you saw it leak in, and for athletes now who these guys have all grown up on social media their entire lives even if you're doing your best to avoid it the poison still drips in and for a guy in justin jefferson who has every reason to be one of the most confident people in the entire world because of his ability you can see that that's wearing on him having to see and hear all of this stuff the steady din of poison day after day and i i appreciate the fact that that guy decided hey not only my physical health but my mental well-being during what's got to be a tough stretch for him to watch his guys go out there and put it on the line without him to see josh Dobbs coming over in these adverse situations and putting it on the mat not be able to help that stuff is incredibly taxing after a while and by the way they lost last week but they won five games in a row before that so it's not like they went on this losing streak when he was out of the game man I yeah it, it is different because we didn't deal with this in my era growing up I, I would I would just love the player to to not even make it public that I deactivated it and just ignore who gives a damn what the people think? I mean, Justin, you are doing the absolute positively right thing. A, a hamstring on a wide receiver? Are you kidding me? That thing needs to be gold before he steps back out on a field or all he's doing is re-injuring it. And, and, and I get it. I get it. Social media, you hear it. It's tough to take over and over again. But I would love the fact that he just started ignoring it and not even acknowledge that he deactivated it. He can just ignore these people who have zero input in this, zero to do with it, to try and get on him that he should be back on the field. It, that's laughable. Yeah, I would like to say be above it, but as someone who spent yesterday arguing yeah. in my mentions with Notre Dame fans about the nature of a nine-win season, sometimes you just can't help yourself because we've all been poisoned by yeah, internet I get it. to some extent I, you're right. at this juncture. It's 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 unrealistic of me to think you could just ignore it all because, listen, the, the, I, I'm not... I didn't grow up in this era, but I still answer back every now and then until I realize, what am I doing? Just stop. Make If you have an opinion, yeah. give your opinion, you know, and, and, and move on. So I do get it, especially if you've grown up in this era. But but my gosh, and people giving him a hard time because he's not back on the field. I, are you kidding me? I mean, that that's laughable. He, like I said, he's absolutely doing the right thing. And oh, by the way, as I said, they are winning while he's getting healthy. So just think of how much better they can be when he's fully healthy and coming back. So let's look at the game that we're talking about tonight, Dad. They are three-point favorites against the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. And for Kevin O'Connell's outfit, I think the most interesting part of this game for me, Dad, because I expect the Vikings offense to keep producing against this Bears defense, but the Minnesota Vikings defense and all of the pressure that Brian Flores likes to throw at people as now the second test back for Justin Fields, who looked pretty good in his return last weekend there. They made use of him as a rusher, especially. Right. I think uh, he had uh, 18 rushes for 104 yards in that game. They did a bunch of the things we've been asking them to do for a long time with Justin Fields and I'm excited to see it against the pressure cooker of this defense because the amount and varied levels of pressure that this Vikings group is going to throw at him is going to test Justin's ab field's ability to problem solve and I think for them because they're in information gathering mode for the rest of this year on what they're going to do with right. that top draft pick as it pertains to him this is a really good spot down the stretch to now get to throw him out there yeah I, I, I agree with that and, and first on Minnesota side it blows my mind the one score games that that they it, it, they're five and five they have 10 one score games they're they're five and five this year yeah what five and five this season in games decided by one score it's crazy it's absolutely crazy uh how that that stat of how they continue to play close games um so this is a monster game for them as right now they are in the playoffs as a wild card them and dallas would hold the first two slots there as we have you know like i said about a handful of games ago and we continue to say this about chicago does chicago i, I have a feeling mike i don't know what you think and and again we we never ever will call for anybody's job but we know it happens i have a feeling this might it's going to be one way or the other 
I don't know if there's going to be an in-between of a clean sweep. Quarterback, coach, maybe even GM as well, where they all stay or they're all changed. I'm not sure if there'll be a, a partial here or not. Oh, interesting. So you think it's got it's it can't it's not like an either neither or both situation. You think this is all or nothing when it comes to the battery of decision makers and players in the Chicago front office. I, I'm I'm thinking it might be um, that that they would want to start fresh if they did bring in somebody new to start with their own quarterback, whoever they they want to bring in at that point. That's that's just my thought on the way business is done. And I don't agree with a lot of the ways business is done. I think you make changes too sure. quick in the NFL because people got to understand when you change a coach, you're changing assistance, you're changing scheme, you're changing personality. You are taking two steps back before you take a step forward again. So I am not a fan of doing that at all. Yet we see four to seven coaches every year in the NFL. And some after one year, my God, people talking about Frank Reich had being on the chopping block. Are you kidding me? You have a rookie quarterback, and I know it's been different in Houston. You've seen some better results there. But to sit there and think sure. you're going to end that process after one year is just a joke. The trigger is pulled too quickly, in my opinion, in the NFL on some of these coaches. I completely understand that it is complicated. You're right by the quarterback. And it's why I think Ryan Poles could end up surviving this just because Justin Fields wasn't his draft pick. And right. so we see a lot of moves, I think, get made out of self-preservation when it comes to football, right? Between a coach that all of a sudden decides, hey, at the end of a season, I'm going to start our rookie quarterback to show people, hey, I just need time with the new guy. Look at what we might have on the line in right. the future and do that. Matt Eberflus doesn't have that opportunity but if you're Ryan Poles and you're looking at the end of this season I wonder if there's part of you that's saying hey if I can sell them on we're going to go in with one of these top picks that we've got get my guy at quarterback and restart the clock here if all of a sudden you can buy some time it's not to say that Ryan Poles has been perfect in some of the in-season trade moves that he's made with the franchise in the last couple of years but that does seem like the way I think dad where you could have one member of that battery brought back and then again, a handful of games left. Justin Fields, if he, what if he plays well? What if he starts looking really good? You know, moving the ball, throwing the ball. It's, it's going to make that decision even more interesting. Yeah, I think there's a conversation to be had at some point this week on quarterbacks that are playing for their kind of existential portion of right. their NFL career or at least their job with their current team I think of Kyler Murray and I think of Justin Fields in very similar spots teams with a chance at a top pick who have a quarterback that they either spent first round capital on or in Kyler's case real capital on after the fact and what they can possibly do to stick around The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time for our aptly named segment, Holiday Leftovers, because you see, yeah. we've been off since last Wednesday, guys. So we have a lot of hashtag content to get to. Three Thanksgiving games, a Black Friday game. So we're going to get to what leftover takes you guys have brewing. Um, my leftover take is that Jack Harlow got his set for his halftime show from the dollar store. 
<laughs> oh my god it the the halftime shows shame on the dallas cow you know what? i shouldn't say shame on the dallas cowboys because no. dolly parton is a national treasure getting yes. her back out there putting out a rock album at 77 years old after going into the rock and roll hall of fame dressing yep. up as the cowboys cheerleader the set it was immaculate she did a great job it was awesome to see dolly out there but having that side-by-side -side comparison with what we saw from jack harlow's performance that i just went to Bucky's for the first time you could find that inflatable thing right going into the front door at Bucky's a hundred percent there I don't know what went into that dad but the side-by-side -side comparison was absolutely the thief of joy for Jack Harlow in front of Detroit what one was like a Super Bowl halftime production and the other was like when I used to watch you kids in middle school do like a Christmas concert I mean which you know just crazy ridiculous kind of uh backdrops I I I'm stunned that, you know, Jesse, we were, we were talking about this before the show, how that was approved, how, how anybody looked at that set and said, yeah, this is how we're going to go, you know, as you mentioned, to the dollar store. Let's get all our props for it there. They were like, yeah, this looks like it came from the Christmas tree shop in the back in the sales section, but let's go with it. And, and Dolly You're Parton, you see that I mean, set up on somebody's front lawn, for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's very, very true. But Dolly Parton, 77, wearing a cheerleader's outfit. I mean, coming out, she said when she got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, she said that was kind of weird because she'd never done a rock album. So she does a rock album with a lot of the greats. I mean, God love her. I mean, that was fantastic what she did. But boy, oh boy, what a difference. And you're never sure what you're going to get on some of those halftime shows. And we got both ends of the spectrum on that one. We sure did. We absolutely did. I will say, though, the biggest miss in all of this during the revival that we've seen going on, thanks to the Texas Rangers, the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. How someone did not get Creed back out. Who's doing shows? I saw Creed was performing in Vegas before the Formula One race. Yep. They got the crews coming up here. I have my number 11 Dallas Cowboys Scott Stapp jersey in the closet. In fact, you guys vamp. I'm going to go get this for a second and just show people how serious we are. I almost broke my chair. Hold on. Okay. You go ahead. But, but, but Jesse, I. I understand why they because he's a cowboy fan but i understand why they wouldn't do it and, and let dolly parton have her moment you know because she, she's listen she, she, she's on top of the world right now so you got to go with that and i thought it was fantastic so i get the cowboys not doing them instead of dolly parton dolly parton just is obviously the goat oh okay oh he's back oh okay you see this america he's back and this he's is what ready. we could have had all right I had to go to NFLshop.com to get this. So congrats to the NFL. Send the check to Creed for making this happen. This is what we could have had. We could have had the dude flying from the rafters again, the shirtless bald guy but. coming out of nowhere. This is what we could have given America on one of its holiest holidays in Thanksgiving weekend to the NFL. And instead, no one had the foresight. Like, at least let me know that you made the call. Let me know that Creed told you no before I can go on and feel good about this. But not to the Cowboys game, right? I was just, while you were going to get that jersey, I was telling Jesse the Cowboys got it right. I mean, Dolly Parton is doing her thing right now. She, you know, she's on top of the world. So that was that was a great move getting Dolly Parton there. So did did you want him to do the show in in Detroit or for the Seattle San Francisco game? Because I think it was the right call to get Dolly in Dallas and not Creed back there. He disagrees strongly. <sighs> Yeah, Dolly was Man, great. I love Dolly Parton. Dolly was great. This isn't about Dolly. It's great. It's about Dolly. This is about Creed. It's she's great. It's All respect Creed. to Dolly Parton. Don't come for me. But man, we should have gone out here and you know helped everyone survive the Great Divide. So uh, I'll put that pin in that one as far as leftovers right now. But again, NFL, you got a chance to make this right. Super Bowl halftime show, twenty twenty five, Creed. Book it. Get yeah. it done. Give the people what they want. You might have missed the boat by a year, but you're no stranger to that with the halftime show anyway. It's always kind of on tape delay with what we want. Get Creed out there. Scott Stapp, return my calls. Um, my bit of leftovers was the Greg Popovich audio from their game against the, against the uh, Los Angeles Clippers. So Kawhi Leonard was back in San Antonio, longtime spur, going to the free throw line, and he understandably gets booed because that's what the home crowd does when an opposing player is shooting free throws. And I have never seen this before in my life. This is Greg Popovich deciding it was open mic night, chastising his home crowd. 
Excuse me for a second. Pops Can on the mic. Can we stop all the booing and let these guys play? It's our nose last. It's not who we are. Knock off the booing. And he gets booed. I'm telling yeah. the fans to lay off Kawhi Leonard. That was the best. That was the I, best part about it is he got booed immediately after. It's not who we are. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Can, yeah, can there be exactly any, who we are? Yeah. Can there be anything more high school than that? I mean, seriously, Pop, what, oh, yeah. what are you doing? What are you doing telling paid customers to stop booing who if they want to boo? Paying yeah, booing is and drinking. They, they weren't doing anything wrong. No. You can boo all you want. Boo. I mean, but to grab the mic and tell them to stop booing, I just thought, my God, we're in grade school or high school. What are we doing? They said, boo this man. He started doing that. And yeah, they, they did say boo this. I'm generally, generally on the anti-booing side of things, like booing the home team at home or booing in a lot of situations, like when you have an all-time great player that comes back originally, Russell Wilson I thought going back to Seattle and all that stuff we talked about pregame but this is one of those spots where I'm like contextually in the game it makes sense the end of that tenure was kind of rocky it makes sense so I of all people had no problem with this and was very confused why Greg Popovich now he said after the game and this would have been the much more reasonable explanation is I don't want to poke the bear Greg Popovich knows how good Kawhi Leonard can be when he's healthy and weaponized on the floor and he said I just didn't want to get go out there and piss him off because again the wise man once said you don't get bonus points for playing against somebody when they're mad and motivated but that was not the reason he gained during the game appealing to class of drunk fans Jesse's absolutely right not the way to go it just so so on par that when you say that you get booed Um, I'm going to go to the Jets uh, fail Mary I mean, wow. So the Jets tried a Hail Mary at the end of the first half, and Javon Holland was one of the guys back deep, and he intercepts the ball, and he's got a whole lot of yard in front of him. And, Mike, here's not why I'm not shocked that he scored. And I've said the same thing about go back to the Alabama-Auburn missed field goal, the short field goal that was returned for a touchdown. Tell me this, Mike. Dude intercepts a Hail Mary and starts running. Who's left? Who's left? He's now in front of all the wide receivers. You know who's left? Yep. Offensive lineman and a quarterback. That's who's left. And that's what I say the same thing about a missed a short field goal because I've been on these field goal teams. You have seven of the 11 people are either O-linemen and a holder and a kicker. Oh, yeah. Okay, then there was me as a D-lineman and then usually a tight end or a linebacker at the wing. So it was normally a D-lineman or tight ends are the other four on there. So you have five O-linemen, a holder and a kicker, and four athletes out on the field. That's who's meant to stop that returner. And the same thing on this Hail Mary. You're now in front of all the wide receivers. You have to beat five offensive linemen and a quarterback. You know what? When you look at those odds, you can understand why Holland made it all the way for the touchdown. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. It's my worst nightmare. And I, I feel like between plays like that and plays like anytime the defense puts a returner back on a field goal, now after in a post-kick six world and we're a decade out from that, every time I hold my breath, because you're right, as someone who has been in those situations, and I will never forget, I was on the punt shield covering punts when we played Tulsa at Notre Dame. They had a dynamic returner, and I am got down there, and I'm not supposed to make the tackle. I'm just supposed to run down there and no. look funny wearing a 49 jersey and an alternate one. And I get over to the sideline, and all of a sudden, the guy breaks contain, and it's me and this returner one-on-one <laughs> over on the sideline. And I'm doing all the stuff that I hear in special teams meetings, but never, never thought I'd actually have to do. Use the sideline as an extra tackler. Try and angle him that way. And at the last second, I lunge and I fall flat on my stomach, completely whiff and miss him. And I look up at a bunch of Tulsa offensive linemen that are like, yeah, it's all right, man. No one else can touch him either. We understand. (laughs) We're not built for that. We're not supposed to do that. Don't ask us to do that. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, and 
Normally, this is the time of show where we get to this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off into your day. We still encourage you to download, subscribe, rate, review, and do all that fun stuff after watching us here live 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. But uh, every once in a while, a little bit of breaking news drops into our lap, and we got to go from there. And per Tom Pelissaro of the NFL Network, Dad, we were sitting around talking about some of the coaching hot seats today and how quickly people turn over. It was announced that the Carolina Panthers have parted way with their head coach, Frank Reich, in just his first season down in Carolina. So, Dad, uh, I don't feel like we can act surprised by this stuff anymore, especially with this franchise and this owner since David Tepper took over. Whether it's the quarterback or the coach, there's been a tremendously short leash for production. It's a joke. It's a damn joke is what it is. I mean, you, you give Matt Rule a six-year deal, you go a little over two years, and you can him, and you're paying him. And now Frank Reich doesn't even get a year? I mean, that's a joke. I mean, and your, your organization, which is you know going back four or five years, seven and 10, five and 12, five and 11, five and 11, guess what? You're not getting better when you keep changing the landscape like this this quickly. You have a defense right now that by yardage is top 10, Right? They're, they're, they're a top 10 defense. So that part of the ball has been playing better. You have a rookie quarterback. And I don't know how much the owner is looking over at Houston and saying, well, if their rookie quarterback can have them in the playoff race, then why can't ours? I mean, that's the re- most ridiculous thing, in my opinion, that you can do. So unless there's something that is going on in the locker room between Frank Reich and that team, I, I will not understand this move at all. You have now stopped the progress, and you will now go backward a little bit, bringing in a new coach and a new system, unless it's someone who keeps the same system. I don't get it, Mike. I don't understand why people pull the trigger so fast because they see things not working right away. And Gojo, you mentioned that there's been just like a ton of turnover since he took over the team. Uh, David Tepper, this would be his fourth head coach since he bought the team in 2018 if they're, you know, moving on. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Good luck to you. And having this as a game plan, good luck. Yeah, I I just – it's one of those things you look at, Dad – firing a coach through one season we saw it happen with nathaniel hackett out in denver who was a first time head coach and when things go incredibly poorly like so poorly so much worse than you could have possibly planned in this league especially where you don't have to worry about the effects of recruiting you don't have to worry about resetting the cycle that way or in the portal era losing out on guys this is the nfl guys are paid you go out there and buy players and all the things that have been a part of this system i think it's a little less damning overall to the strength of your program to make a change at head coach at this particular level. But this is a real scorpion and the frog situation for David Tepper where at some point you got to look around at all of this rotating and decision-making and wondering, hey, it might just be you. Because since 2018 when he bought the team too, look at the quarterbacks. Cam Newton, Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, Will Greer, Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Bryce Young now and Andy Dalton in this season – nobody in a position of power there has gotten long to show that they might have the potential to be something at that spot and that's something that i'd imagine well money cures everything and there's going to be some coach who's going to look at this job and the potential paycheck and having bryce young as the number one overall pick there and say i'll take a shot i'd imagine people notice and talk about this stuff after a while of hey if you go down to carolina you might have an opportunity to do something, but if you don't show it soon and that changes the way that you approach this from a team building standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, from a playing standpoint, when you feel like the seat under you is hot the minute you sit down. I, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, and if there's a choice out there for a, a seasoned coach, I don't know why they would choose Carolina. If there's a choice, now sometimes you don't, and it's the only one that's available to you. Why, why would you take that outside of you know you're going to get some guaranteed money, right? However long your deal is, you're getting that money and they're going to have to buy you out. I, 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 just, I I'm just think it's such a joke, Mike. You just mentioned the change in quarterbacks. Jesse mentioned the change in head coaches. How do you expect to go in the right direction as a franchise when you continually stir the waters? When nothing is calming there, nothing. All you, you, you are completely the duck with your feet underwater. You might as well have the feet above the water as well because you look like just a frantic organization that can't make the right move. And when you can't, you just reshuffle the, reshuffle the deck as soon as you possibly can. 
I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't see any so bright I, future I, I, for this team for a while. Well, and I, I, I think it again goes back to when it seems like every decision you've made is the wrong one, at some point that falls on the decision maker, right? And because right. David Tepper owns the team, it's not going to change anything. But we talk about this all the time with GMs. When you miss on a couple of straight quarterbacks that you acquire, the GM tends to not survive because why are we going to give you a chance to make another bad decision here? And for David Tepper, at some point, you can. We talk about the brass nuts that he has on his desk or whatever when the article, when he first came out there. At some point, it's you and the brass pair there that yep. have to look at each other in the mirror and say, what are we doing in this decision making? Now, you took the Bryce Young with the number one overall pick. He's going to be there for at least the next three years after that. <laughs> right. We'd imagine. But even that's got to feel kind of tenuous at this point if it doesn't start to bear fruit next season. This roster we knew going into the year was not in a place we thought the offensive line was would be better that one took a decided step back in a way that was a little bit harder to forecast but skill position wise when Adam Thielen was your best receiver it never felt like they were set up for a ton of success and I get that we've talked about when the offense or that side of the ball is your specialty we did this with uh Brandon Staley and the Chargers all season long now Frank Wright this is his baby the offense was the thing that he was supposed to have in order at some point you hear every coach say it though this is Jimmy's and Joe's league man you can only XO so much away and while yes Houston has been able to microwave success this season I think there are a laundry list of things that you can point to as stark differences oh. in how that's been built to this point versus what the Carolina Panthers walked into this year with I, it's ridiculous i mean your old line has had issues your leading receiver by a ton is a 32 year old wide receiver because you traded one away to get bryce young and dj moore uh 77 receptions next closest is mingo at 28 i mean you're gonna put this on frank reich I mean, are you kidding me? And now you're starting over again. I, th this, it's embarrassing, quite honestly, to me. It's embarrassing, not just for this move, but the moves that have been made, and you just keep picking up a new card and reshuffling and reshuffling and reshuffling. You're not going to find success that way. You have to let something try and stick for a little bit, and Tepper is not, not even close to being able to do that. Thank God he's got a lot of money because he's just going to continue to pay people as he hires them and fires them. And it's officially official, I guys. We got a statement okay. here. Uh, as you can see, I met with Coach Reich this morning and informed him he will not continue as head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Want to thank Frank for his dedication and service, and we wish him yeah. well. Effective immediately, special teams coordinator Chris Tabor will serve as our interim head coach. Senior assistant Jim Caldwell will be a special advisor to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown, who will take over play calling duties. Statement attributed to David Tepper. It is fascinating, like, even Josh McDaniels got a season and a half with yeah. the Las Vegas Raiders, despite that. Now, Dad, the stakes are different, and I think this is kind of the next segue is what kind of appeal does this job have outside of just the dollars and cents of it when you know you're walking in and whoever the next head coach is, and I'd imagine part of the reason that Frank Wright was judged in this situation was they didn't feel like they were getting the best that they could out of their rookie number one overall pick at quarterback sure. that they mortgaged so much to go up and get. For another coach coming in, you do have that as a selling point, but all of this in the background is certainly a net negative for anyone thinking about that. Yeah, and if there's any thought of, well, look what they're doing in Houston, that's fool's gold on the part of Tepper. If that went into his thought process at, at all uh, about, well, look what they're doing, we should be able to do it. Matt Rule got two, over two years. Matt Rule got over two years before he got let go. Frank Wright got 11 games. So I'll say it again. Unless I hear something was going on in that locker room, this is a ridiculous move by an owner who just has an itchy trigger finger and keeps changing the landscape, which means congratulations. You will ne won't be good for a long, long time. Well, we'll see. He's banking it. David Tepper, the one thing is the foot's been fully down on the gas pedal since he walked into the building so we'll wait and see more coming out on that but again frank right out as the carolina panthers head coach uh make sure you download subscribe rate review us don't fire us uh and yeah. check us out back here again <laughs> 8 to 10 a.m eastern tomorrow thanks so much